Thank you for listening to the Magenta Maven. In this episode, I got to interview the beautiful Brittany Moore. Hope you enjoy. So I'm here with the beautiful Brittany Moore. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Miami, Florida. And where, what were you like as a kid? Hmm. I think I was always eccentric. Um, I was raised by my parents till I was 14. And then I moved in with my grandparents um, for my teenager years because um, they moved to a small town. Um, and I just didn't like it there. And then um, I lived in Miami the rest of the time with my grandparents. Did you have any brothers or sisters? I have two sisters. One is... Four years younger than me, and the other one is 12 years younger than me. And where did you go to school? Everything was in Miami. Most of my schooling was there. We lived in Tennessee for a little while, but I graduated from Southridge High School. I did my hair schooling down there in Miami. Uh, What did you want to be as a child? I always wanted to be a hairdresser. My mom was a hairdresser. I grew up in the hair salon, and um, I still am a hairdresser 30 years later. Oh, well. <laughs> so uh, were your parents, were they strict when you lived with them? You know, my parents worked a lot and they always gave us a strong foundation. And, um, you know, my dad was never, I was raised by my stepdad from about a year and a half on. And, um, you know, they worked so hard to provide and, and give us kids, you know, what we, what we had. It wasn't easy. Um, but I think that's why I do what I do now. Like I, I work so hard because that's all I know. That's all my, you know, my parents did. Yes, I understand. I'm the same way. I keep at least two jobs and never always have something going on. What was school like for you? I don't, you know, I was always so feminine, and school wasn't easy. It was hard, and um, you know, it wasn't as socially accepted then as it is now. So I think I always had a hard time in school. Um, did you have any like role models when you were in school? You know, I, I, I always look, you know, when I was in my junior year, so I guess I was about 15, I started, I was in the Votech program, part of the high school. So I was already working in a hair salon. So I really was over school by the time high school came around. I just did it to get my because I wanted to be a hairdresser so bad and get my license. And, you know, that's what was important to me. So, I mean, my teacher, I remember her name was Mrs. Pilgrim, and she was always great. And, um, you know, I always looked up to her because, you know, she gave me a good foundation. When did you come out, um, like, come out first, not as trans? I was about 15. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't that I came out. They found out. I had this pen pal back when you wrote letters. And, oh. you know, him and I used to write letters, and they found it. And, you know, I... I had my own telephone in my room and I came home and my grandparents took my telephone away and, you know, I was devastated and my mom flew down and she was like, you can't, and this can't be. And I was like, how can you not know? And so, (laughs) you know, it it was a little rough, but I mean, in the end, you know, everybody, you know, loves me and we're good, you know? Uh, Tell me about when you first, the first time doing drag. It was my first boyfriend. He 
was older than me and he loved drag. And I remember go sneaking into the nightclubs and I was like 16 and you see the drag queens and you were like, Oh my gosh. And I was like, I want to do that. And so he put me in drag for the first time and he knew a lot of people. And so he always was able to introduce me. And, um, but it was, you know, that my grandma has, it's around my house somewhere. She had this picture of me and her when I looked like just the only crazy person, but I mean, you got to start somewhere, you know? Oh yeah. And did, were you, uh, trans before you started doing drag or was that? Mm -hmm. That came later. I mean, it came later on. What was the, do you remember what the first song was or in what you wore the first time you did drag? I wore some blue dress and my first song was vision of love from Mariah Carey. Oh, and, uh, where did you get your name? My, um, very first boyfriend and, um, his best friend. And so they named me, Brittany, and then the more came later on, and that's how it worked out. And um, it, it always stuck; it worked out fine. So, in the beginning, they used to call me Brickney, Brick, Brickney. That was so hard. <laughs> and so, um, I know you do a lot of pageants. When did you start doing those? You know, I started when I was young in my career, and then I stopped competing for like ten years because my life was so out of control. You know, just between alcohol and drugs and partying and all this stuff. And I just, I needed to get myself together. And I even quit shows for about five or six years. And so, you know, I never won anything in the, my early years of pageantry. And I always knew that when the time was right, you know, I would start competing again when my life was in such a mess. And so once I did that, that was the catalyst of me doing well in pageants and eventually winning and starting to capture, you know, lifelong dream. Do you remember what your very first pageant was? It was, had to have been some of the club pageants in Miami. I just couldn't, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it was, you know, there was a lot of bar pageants back then. So like, you know, if you wanted to be anybody or anything, you had to start competing and go to pageants and be seen. And so it was the smaller bar pageants, I'm sure, but I couldn't tell you which one. And I know that you are still doing pageants. What are your current titles that you have? Right now, I'm not, I'm not reigning anything. I mean, before the um, COVID thing started, I was getting ready for Miss Gay USA Classic, which is for, um, you know, mature women over 40. And so I was doing that. And um, so that's postponed until May of next year. And so I've got time to jump to relax and, you know, enjoy some things before I go. And how many would you say that you've won so far? Um, you know, I counted like sometimes in my dreams I count and I did like oh, probably over like 15 or so, maybe more. I don't know. I, you know, I didn't um, coming back into pageantry. I started to win a lot. And so it, it, I didn't have I probably lost more than I've won. But I mean. This last go around has been really good to me. What do you look for, like in a pageant system, before you actually go to do it? Like, which what system? Are, what are you looking for when you're doing those? You know, a lot of people ask me. I've asked that before. These two kind of go hand Mom. in hand. I'm, the dummy stuff. Okay, that's the my grandbaby. Oh, understand. Say hi, Anlin. I um, Mom. I think when I look for when I'm going to compete pageant, I always compete with my heart. And I've, I've never asked who the judges were. I never asked how much the prize money is. I just know that that's where I want to go. That's what's important to me. And um, that's what I do. And so then, you know, work hard to achieve it. When I became Miss Heart of Florida 
And um, I, when I became Miss Harvard, it took me three times. When I won All-American Goddess, it took me three times. Um, Miss Renaissance took me two times. You know, I've been to Continental twice. And, you know, I'll go back when, you know, I feel like time is right and I'm ready. So it just takes, you know, I always go with my heart because I don't think you should compete just because somebody called you and said, oh, by the way, you need to do this pageant. Uh, it never worked out well for me that way. That was one of my questions. I think you about answered was what uh, system have you previously competed in that you would like to conquer? Yeah, definitely Continental. Um, you know, and I never, I have never had the opportunity to win the big three, which is Gay USA, Continental, um, Entertainer of the Year. And so that still is a goal for me. And I'm working on some things, you know, going back to what I was telling you in the beginning, I'm working on some things personally. And once I get where I feel like, okay, that's good. My, my, my brain can focus on the other. I just, you know, I don't compete well if things aren't at home aren't really in a good place. Oh, yeah. And with this COVID thing, that's kind of put a strain on everybody. It has, but it also changes your perspective on, you know, what's important. Where do you want to go? What do I want to do? For sure. And before, I know that uh, now you're the show director at Mary's. Uh, but where were you at? I was working at the Metro with Sonia because I had just come back and doing, you know, shows again. And so um, Sonia and I were at the Metro and, you know, I've worked on and off the Metro my entire career. But um, that's where I was. But, you know, I've only been back doing shows for 10 years now. And so nine of them have been at Mary's and we're going on our nine year anniversary. Oh, yeah. And how long, like, how did you end up from Miami here in Jacksonville? Ooh, the boyfriend I was telling you about, <laughs> this is a funny story. The boyfriend I was telling you about moved here because we were broke up and he came down to get me. We were going to try to get together. I came back here and then we lived at Sonia Todd's house. I slept on the floor. He cheated on me. Um, and I'm not going to mention his name because we all know him and um, him. And then we broke up. And I stayed at Sandra's house. And Sandra kicked him out, and he moved back to Miami. And the funny thing is, we're all friends now, so none of that matters. But that's how I got here. <laughs> I never left. I moved with a duffel bag. That's all I had. I had nothing. Oh wow! So you were working at the Metro, and then how did you end up uh, getting involved with the opening of the Hamburger Marys? Well, Gary and I got to known each other for fifteen years. And Gary used to bring his kids into the hair salon and he used to come in all the time and um, cut his hair. And then I hadn't seen him for years. And to make a long story short, he came in, got his hair cut. And eventually we ended up going on a date and we were to, we've been together ever since. And one of the first like Florida tours I went on was about four or five days long. And he went with me and went to the Mary's in Tampa. And a couple of months later, he said, I'm going to open a Mary's. I'm telling you're full of shit. And um, his sister and brother invested with him and, you know, they opened the Mary's here and then I took on the show director role. So what is it like to be a show director? It's harder than people think. I think that um, you have to make decisions that are best for the business sometimes that, that you think are best for the business because the people trusted you in that position. And James Brown, which is an old friend and mentor of mine who died about 15 years ago, and he was the owner of um, Metro before Jerry Rosenberg and Jerry's best friend, told me your business has no emotion. And so being friends with so many people for so many years, I'm put in a position to make tough decisions that aren't always going to be the most liked decisions. But I have to do what I think is best for the show. And um, 
but I also, you know, have learned from some of the, you know, great places like the Bataan, Parliament House, and, you know, you, you watch the production value of some of those shows, you know, I mean, if you look at play in Nashville and in Louisville, I mean, you know, you, you learn things and, you know, you try to say, take bits and pieces and put things into your show that you think is going to work great. And you got to know, you know, you have to know your audience, you know, and um, our audience demands a certain thing. You know, we started out a certain way. And when we first opened, it was Lashes, Alexis, Sonia, me, Sindel, you know, we're the ones that started in the beginning, you know, building the place. And later on, we brought in the boys, which at the time was Kyle and Rico. And, 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 it, and it has evolved to the show that it is now. Oh, yeah. Adding them on there kind of gives it a, some, a little extra um, on there because yeah. um, that's something that people want to see around here, too. You know, just as well as the, um, the queens and everything. Absolutely. And they've built a great name for themselves. Oh, yeah. So what are like the best resources that you that's ha- that's helped you along the way? The show director. I think you can't be afraid of having people in the show. And I don't like to say the word better, but you got to have people in the show that challenge you to do different things or have, a, you know, everybody has their place in the show. And when I book a show, it's because each act is usually a little bit different. And sometimes the owners don't always agree with me. And, you know, they're like, well, we want to see so-and-so. But that particular person works great for the show, but might not be good for that particular weekend. And so you've got to have a show that balances. You've got to have, you know, a Sandra Todd, a big, you know, you know, larger-than-life personality. You've got to have a dancer. You've got to have, you know, somebody that has fabulous costumes. You've got to have, you know, probably somebody who's sexy and naked and beautiful and, you know, having a boy in there, you know, that'll give you a balance. So I always feel like you got to have people in there that, you know, I can learn from and I'm not afraid of. Like when you put somebody like, let's just, for example, Queen Bee in the show, some people go, oh, I don't want to go behind her because she's going to dance and be so great. But I don't mind because I know that my show is going to be different. And, you know, I'm solid and confident where I'm at. And so you got to just have a good balance and people in the show that just bring something great. Because I think it's a huge compliment to the show director at the end of the night. For it, They never mentioned names, but, you know, the bartender goes, that show was fantastic. So I do my job when they say that. So what advice would you give someone that's wanting to pursue like a similar um, like drag career or, you know, in, or in pageantry? Well, I think it's, they kind of go hand in hand and they kind of don't. You know, you can be an entertainer your entire career, and, and many have, and many will continue and have never won a pageant in their life. You know, you got to have something to fall back on. I think that, you know, my saving grace during the time of COVID is that I've, I've been a hairdresser and I'm doing really well. And, you know, even though salons are closed, I have that to fall back on. So when the restaurants closed early, you know, I had a little bit of income coming in still until they closed the salons. So I think you got to have something to fall back on because, yes, you can make. Um, money full time at this, but also there's a time when you know you may need it to fill in and supplement your income. I mean, if you're going to be a pageant queen, um, take the time to learn the craft. You know, take the time to put together basic categories. You know, people ask me all the time, and most newcomers, I tell them, no, you need to wait. I think you got to put together a good talent. You got to put together a good gown. You're always going to have those two things. Well, most of the time, being any pageant you enter. So if you don't have those already in your arsenal when it's time to use them, then you're putting something together from scratch. And that is great in its own, but it's hard. So, you know, build those kind of things and then you can start entering and then start tweaking and going, this worked for me, that didn't work for me. Um, 
And if you're going to do shows and you want to get into show business, you know, you've got to do the talent contest. You know, you need to show up and support the shows that you want to be in, you know, and don't be afraid to ask the show director, can I do a number in the show? You know, I, I mean, I have kids that I do that for all, you know, quite a bit. And, you know, you let them, you know, I may not give them a Friday, Saturday right away, but, you know, they hot spot on a Thursday or a Sunday. And, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to help the ones that want to help themselves. Oh, yeah. Get, ever, get them, help get them built up. Uh, what is the best uh, piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, goodness. That's a tough one. I think lately is, you know, being true to myself and um, understanding that, you know, that I'm that I matter. Because I think that when you spend a lot of time putting everybody else before you because, you know, I want to fix everybody's problems and fix everything, then I get lost in that. And so, you know, if I can be good to myself and take care of myself, then I can be good to everybody else. But if I'm too busy worrying about taking care of everybody else and then I don't take care of me, then I become somebody you don't want to be around. <laughs> you know, that's what, <laughs> I think that works around with ever. But I think that's a tough lesson. It comes with, you know, with being, you know, getting a little bit older. So what is an interesting thing about you that we wouldn't learn from your friends? Believe it or not, my, you know, I, I think my relationship with God, I think a lot of my friends don't know how hard I work on my relationship with God and I work for his, you know, guidance and his support. I mean, if you're really, really close to me, which, you know, without hurting anybody's feelings that may listen, you know, I don't have um, that many people that are that close to me that would know that. You know, I had, um, you know, I read a lot of stuff, especially things that everybody posted on there and, and here lately. And I actually had told Nick, I was like, I noticed that in you, just from your post that you, um, well, you know. Well, recently, you know, I have, and during this COVID thing, takes you on a journey. And most mornings I get up at early now. And so I take this long run and long walk, and it's such a time of reflection. And, you know, when I got into recovery and when I decided to get clean and sober about five and a quarter years ago, you know, I always had a foundation of God, but they always tell you find a God of your understanding. And once you find that, you can grow your relationship. And so my relationship with God has just grown to a different level. And during this time has really helped me understand that, you know, yes, the COVID's here. And yes, the virus is rapid. And yes, we don't have all the answers. And we probably never will. But what we, what I can, and I can only speak for myself, what I can lay solid on is that I know that God's going to take care of me. And he's going to always guide me and provide for me. And, you know, even when you don't think it, you know, that he's going to, he will. And he knows what's going to happen tomorrow before we do. Oh, so yeah. when you can get into that place, I think that really has helped. It helps keep you a little more together, especially with this, like you said, with this going on. Yeah, it's the craziest thing we've ever seen. We don't know any of it. I mean, nobody I, I mean, no, nobody, I don't think, has seen this in their lifetime. And, and we won't ever. I mean, it's a hun- in 100 years, they haven't seen this. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? You know, um, I had the opportunity to um, meet Winona in early March, who's um, an incredible country singer for some of you young folks who don't know. And she said something profound because she figured me out. She knew I was trans and all of that, but she said, I wish the world would love and understand you more. And, you know, that's what I wish. I, I don't, you know, I don't, you don't always have to agree, but you do 
have to, you know, love on us, you know, because love has, is, is unconditional and we put all this stuff on it. But it, I think if the world would just open their eyes and love on one another without putting any type of judgment on, I think we'd be in a better place. So if, if you had to be on a shipwreck on a desert island, but your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care of, what two items would you want to have with you? Coffee and rice. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I got to have my coffee, too, especially. Oh, my gosh. I know that Mary's has opened back up. So what things do y'all have going on? Uh, gonna, what's going to be in store? What projects do y'all have going on? Well, in the midst of all of this, we were, before all this happened, we were planning our nine-year anniversary, which actually just happened on the 5th of May. And um, uh, the weekend we were celebrating was going to be the 28th, 29th, and um, Nina West was going to be our special guest. Oh, my gosh. So we have moved that to July 25th. Um, and we probably will do some sort of celebration at the end of the month. And, um, I mean, right now, we're hoping people come out, you know, with the limited seating and everything going on, you know, it hasn't been, you know, as busy as we're normally used to. Um, I'm grateful that I get to get back on stage and stuff. And, you know, we're trying to maybe tweak hours, nights of the week, things like that until we can get open back up fully. So it's um, a challenging time right now. I know that um, y'all have been, you know, performing on camera, but that is just nowhere near as being able to see it. No, virtual shows are rough. Oh, uh, yeah, I can imagine because you never know, you know, how that, um, especially with a live like that. And it just throws, it seems like it would just throw your whole time. Well, and you, you know, you have to, you know, really learn how to produce them and tweak them. And I mean, I think there's some people out there doing some amazing shows. I think Axel Andrews is one of my favorite shows out there right now. I mean, the way he's produced that show and made videos and it, 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 it's great to watch. I mean, it's a huge amount of effort and work where can our listeners connect with you online um well my facebook obviously is Brittany t moore and um my instagram is b um Brittany moore jacks j-a-x um that's really only the two platforms that i use and then hamburger mary's i know they have oh yeah hamburger mary's jacks and uh, hamburger mary's jacks facebook and instagram are both the same name i'm sure that during your life you've experienced some highs and lows. What lessons or lessons do you wish that you have known earlier? Um, I don't think, you know, you become the person you are today without those lessons. And so, um, you know, I, I think mostly I wish I would have known that drugs and alcohol didn't matter. And I didn't need those things to have friends and relationships and be happy. I think that part of my life, I would have loved, to have known that before doing that um, because I think it would have made a difference. You know, I've, when you talk about pageants, you know, I should have been doing what I'm doing now in, in my much younger years. But, you know, the flip side is that, you know, I have a lot more knowledge on how to behave and act appropriately. If I'd have done it in my twenties, I wouldn't have, but I mean, I, I, you know, I probably, you know, one of the things I wish I would have known then, um, but you know, you can't do anything about that now. I understand that. And one other thing is, is there something that if you were in my shoes that you would have liked to ask yourself? I think that, um, may I missed sometimes I'm just, you know, I think sometimes I'm misunderstood. You know, I think sometimes, you know, I come across a little 
tough, a little abrasive, you know, I'm short with words during my text. And it's not necessarily, you know, who I am or how I feel. You know, DeRay Saunders is one of my close friends, and she always says to me, you know, it, if people walked a day in your shoes, they would understand, you know, and some, you know, when things are going full force and I'm, you know, Brittany, the hairdresser, Brittany, the fiance, Brittany, the granddaughter, Brittany, the grandmother, and I have to be the show director at Mary's and deal with all of that. Sometimes things come across the wrong way that, you know, didn't mean to. So, you know, I'm trying to be more mindful of that, but I think a lot of times I'm, you know, misunderstood. So, the question probably is, why do you, you know, do you think you're misunderstood? Or probably would have been a good one to ask. But, you know, I think it was great. You've done a great job. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, the um, I understand how that is. It's like you've got so much stuff going on. Is not You're just trying to think of what's going on like right then and that you're not really trying to push somebody away. You're just trying to get what you need to get done, like, you know, at that moment. But then after it's over with, then, you know, it's, you know, that's it. You know what I mean? Then you then ask whatever. Because there's no emotion in, in a text message. And then, you know, I may just text back one word, you know, and you're like, well, goodness, you bitch. I understand. I worked, the, you know, with y'all at Mary's long enough to know that <laughs> I'm worried that I got uh, the how everybody is working. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. I would like to thank my guests for joining me and letting me interview them. If you have any questions for future entertainers, please leave me a message at anchor.fm forward slash the Magenta Maven, M-A-V-A-N. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Magenta Maven. And thank you for listening. Until next time.